This is the Hans Shot First Podcast. They don't know it, I'm telling you. We'll be talking in-depth about common movie moments from my dead body. With the mix of all things pop culture along the way. Yeah, all Scott. Okay. Welcome everyone to Hans Shot First. I'm Jeff. Joining me as usual is Scott and Alex. Say hello. Hey. Hello. All right. This week we're going to be talking about L.A. Confidential. Scott, take it away. This is the Oscar-winning movie. Uh, Kim Basinger got an Oscar for this one. It's a noir, a very definition of noir, although it gets a little into more of an action movie at the end. But one of my favorites, uh, we, we've talked a, bit, a little bit about Los Angeles and other ones. I think very first podcast for Heat. It's it's always been a great, great setting for for the noir genre. In this case, where L.A. Confidential takes place in the fifties, I I always love that setting. It, it's pretty hard to make a bad movie, uh, Gangster Squad, with with this setting. It starts off kind of going over what's going on in nineteen fifties Los Angeles. The the mob never really was able to get the same toehold out in the West Coast that were um, back east. So it kind of starts talking about that and goes from there and you get into this big kind of murder mystery plot all in the backdrop of Hollywood and pre, well, I think in like mid-50s uh, Los Angeles. Just, again, a, a really cool setting. So can I interrupt you really quick? I, I mentioned, I guess, off the air, that off the air, off the, the web that um, I haven't seen this in a while and I don't remember it too much. But what you just described, that sounds a lot like that other movie, uh, Black Dahlia. Are they related at all or no? So it was actually uh, the same author, James Elroy, wrote a series of books that all take place in L.A. kind of around the same time. And yeah, they, they all have that same kind of vibe. The, the noir, it's noir that takes place in Los Angeles. So yeah, I, I was actually going to talk a little bit about this later, but uh, just... It, it, okay. Spring, like all the great movies, there's a lot of um, a couple great movies. Uh, just Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Mulholland Falls. It's it what you're thinking of, Alex. It wasn't Drive. Mulholland Drive was a movie, but that wasn't really noir. That was just David Lynch being weird. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say that. <laughs> of, of course, uh, Chinatown. Uh, probably the best example. He did that. He did that too. No, no, no. I mean, just oh, okay. the kind of the subgenre of these noir okay. movies taking place in Los Angeles. You, you mentioned the Black Dahlia, uh, Hollywood Land. I don't know if you guys remember that one. Oh uh, yeah. Who Frame, even Who Framed Roger Rabbit kind of falls into this uh, subgenre, uh, um, and then you get sudden death. You, yeah, uh, you, you get a little more modern with movies like uh, To Live and Die in L.A., Heat, of course. Uh, get Shorty also kind of falls that. And then there's all, all these movies I enjoyed, except for Gangster Squad. Which, <laughs> I don't know how you fuck up that setting. Isn't that a sequel to Mo- Monster Squad? Uh, well, it did have some ridiculous makeup in it. There you go. <laughs> so, thanks for that, Sean Penn. But <laughs> it, it's kind of, like, you can almost do no wrong with it. The movie is notable for a couple other reasons. Really, probably Russell Crowe and Guy Pierce's first big movie. Oh my uh, gosh, it's Russell Crowe. I think I think LA Confidential was before Memento. Uh, I'll have to look that up. Um, yeah, Russell, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and Russell Crowe definitely hadn't done anything that big before this uh, between the two of them. And they, they were a star, and the the studio kind of battled the the director on this one, Curtis Hansen. They wanted some some big stars, and he wanted these guys, and they said no. Uh, so they like killed his budget. So he didn't really have any big names other than Kim Basinger. Well, I guess Kevin Spacey was... Kim Basinger? I, you know, I think this... Yeah, this is after... Uh, seven? Uh, it, had, it had to be after Seven and after The Usual Suspects. I think so. Well, so Russell, Russell Crowe was, you know, very serious into his band, so he didn't even know if he wanted to go into acting. Yeah. Fighting around the world! <laughs> Danny DeVito... Uh, some great character actors are in this. Uh, David Strathairn. Wait, DeVito's in this? Yes, DeVito's oh. in it. Uh, Ron Rifkin. DeVito plays a sleazeball in this. 
No. What? He went, I don't he believe went off, it. He went off type for this one. Does he have a twin? Uh, yeah. Oh. Fortunately, yeah. Again, uh, the great Ron Rifkin, uh, Hulk Gilfoyle. <laughs> you just made that one up. Nope. You made up that name. I mean, character actors. I probably miss. Gilfoyle's <laughs> on uh, Silicon Valley right now. It's a character name. Hmm. There you go. Hmm. So, so you get the two of the three. So the movie actually has three main characters. You have Kevin Spacey as the, the jaded uh, detective who's been kind of busted back to narcotics instead of homicide, which is supposed to be the sexy <laughs> detective squad. Uh, I, I don't know how police work, work is you know, supposed to be, but I guess everybody angles for getting to solve murders. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What, what do you guys think? If you had to pick, you know, what kind of detective you wanted to be, would you go for for the narcotics and be able to do drug busts, or would you be the guy, you know, knocking on doors trying to figure out who who done it? Um, homicide. Homicide. Yeah. I go for uh, meter made crimes. There you go. It's like, all right, who busted this meter? Let's see. All right. Which. I'm gonna find the son of a bitch that didn't have a license plate on the front of his car. Uh huh. And nail his ass to the fucking wall. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Los Angeles. Uh, speaking of Los Angeles, <laughs> uh, just just a little. Uh, if anybody has never been out here, do visit the LA area. Uh, be very careful about where you park because yeah, it's a whole industry. <laughs> These, uh, I, I don't know what their official job title is. Uh, Bums. Parking enforcement? Oh, parking enforcement. Uh, yeah, meter mates that will Jerks. mail you anything. You could be parked legally, and you could have your meter paid, but if you don't have, let's say, a license plate in the front of your car, or if your tags are late, they or will write you up. Your tires are a little bit low. I don't know about that one. I think so. Yeah. Anyways, well, yeah, we get Kevin Spacey is the, the older, jaded detective. Russell Crowe basically plays a goon. Uh, his character's real cool because he kind of goes to this big character arc where, yeah, he, he's basically on the force just to beat confessions out of people. <laughs> Oi! Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Fight you call me the your vagina? <laughs> <laughs> but he's technically a detective. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Guy Pierce is the kind of uh, uh, cold blooded. Um, ambitious young young cop who basically rats on another guy, rats on another cop, and gets promotion out of it. Yeah. Can I can I interrupt you real quick? I just got to say, Guy Pierce sounds like the best gay porn name ever. Just want to throw <laughs> that out there. Didn't he start in Pipe Fitters Union? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think he was in the sequel. Yeah. yeah. Ready to refit? Yeah. Um. Now who's? Who's the guy that's got an actor following him around? I remember that. So, so okay, so start up, start back from the top. Kevin Spacey moonlights as a uh, consultant on a TV show. It's basically a spoof on Dragnet. And so he, mm, okay. he, he like basically tells the guy, "Yeah, if you want to be a cool cop, you do this, this, and this." Um, so it's not exactly following him around, but um, he's kind of a, a celebrity cop, as it were. I'm a copy idiot. And just talk a little bit about Guy Pierce. Hey that guy, guy. That guy fell off the the map. So I don't, don't remember anything after uh, the Count of Monte Cristo. It might have been the Count of Monte Cristo. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, who? Guy Pierce. Guy, Guy yeah. Pierce. He's in Count of Monte Cristo. Guy Pierce. Makes a mean sandwich. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's delicious. It's, like, I don't remember seeing him in anything, and then he pops up in uh, Prometheus in some horrible old person makeup. He's at the very beginning of what's that disarming bomb movie with Jeremy Renner? Oh, oh right yeah, Hurt, Locker. Hurt Lockers. Yeah, yeah he's like on that. Yeah. I guess he just doesn't want to work. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It's taking a little hiatus. Yeah. It's a little break. 
So after they kind of get the setup and the, the LA setup, there's this big shootout at a. Well, I don't think they show it. I don't remember now, but uh, this big shootout at this diner, and a bunch of people get killed, including a couple cops, uh, dirty cops, Ooh. and it sets off this whole uh, domino effect where the, the three leads, kind of all on their own, start looking into it different ways from different viewpoints. Leads ultimately to spoilers to some more police corruption. It was kind of some cool casting. They they got uh, James Cromwell, who's fresh off of Babe. <laughs> so no, no, so no one was looking at him to be the bad guy. That'll do, cop. Uh, yeah, couple, that'll do. Yeah, SOS, girl. SOS. <laughs> you get and you get the great turn from Kim Basinger, Basinger, however it's pronounced. Billy Baldwin as the 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 classy high priced call girl with a heart of gold. Red shoes. At one point they they there's this I I wouldn't call it a party, but more like a I guess it would be a brothel. Where all the, the girls are supposed to be like famous movie stars back then. Like Lana Turner, Veronica Lake, who Kim Basinger is supposed to look like. And Russell Crowe's character, Bud White, takes a shining to her. And throughout the movie, there's this weird kind of competition between him and Guy Pierce, this character, Ed Exley. And they both get really violent with Kim Basinger. I don't know why she puts up a... Yeah, I think at like, one point, Guy Pierce practically forces himself on her. Mm-hmm. Another point, Bud like punches her in the face for sleeping with Guy Pierce. <laughs> Jeez. By, well, that's by that's how movie, he shows that he likes her. Biscuits. Yeah. It's kindergarten I, I mean, I, rules. I guess it was the 50s. <laughs> Jesus H. Sean Connery didn't see anything wrong with that. Speaking of Sean Connery. <laughs> so, uh, a cool little side story to this. Uh, it's kind of, I wouldn't call it a Hollywood legend, but definitely a uh, Hollywood story. Where uh, in the in the 50s, uh, there was a gangster out in Los Angeles named Johnny Stampanato, his name was. And he was mm-hmm. dating, mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think it was Lana Turner. And Ted this Turner's is relevant because, at, yeah, it's relevant because at one point, uh, Guy Pierce's character, and actually he's trying to track down some information. He goes into this restaurant. It's like a famous L.A. restaurant like the... The Brown Derby. It might have been. And uh, he starts slapping around this guy and he calls the this woman who looks like Lana Turner a whore thinking she's one of these call girls that dresses up like Lana Turner and she throws a drink in his face and Kevin Spacey's in the background laughing the whole time <laughs> when they get out he tells them that that actually was Lana Turner uh, but anyways this is all relevant because they, yeah, there's a guy playing Johnny Stompanato and you bring up Sean Connery apparently Connery and Lana Turner had an affair in England um, and she was dating Stompanato at the time. Wow. So he flew to London and pulled a gun on Connery, and Connery basically took the gun out of his hand and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> and he got, the, guy, the guy got deported back to the United States. There's more to the story. I, I thought that, that part of it was, was kind of funny. Oh, those guys are contentious people. Yeah, Stompanato was eventually stabbed to death by Lon Turner's daughter. Ooh. Which is kind of a weird story. But... Uh, Supposedly, no, Connery that happens had... every day. Yeah. Supposedly, Connery had to go into hiding because Stompanato's boss basically said he was going to put a hit out on <laughs> anybody that had anything to do with him getting murdered. <laughs> so I mean, I, I don't know how he slapped the weight guns from a lot of gangsters. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how many. You know, Connery was in England, so I don't know how weird the guy he was. But uh... <laughs> so fuck you, he said. <laughs> Stompanato. I should have known it was you. Piece of shit. You piece of shit. <laughs> and that's really cool. So Hollywood lore. Yeah. Uh, Is it canon? It's canon. That one's for Brian. Oh, I, I've got one for Brian. <laughs> go, here Wait, we go. Trope. <laughs> what are the tropes in this movie? Tropes. Tropes, tropes, tropes. Hope you like that, you bastard. All right. <laughs> so, 
talk, you know, I talked a lot in the beginning about noir. What what are some of your guys' favorite noir movies, uh, crime? I know we've probably talked a little bit about some of these movies over the course of the podcast. But... Basic Instinct. That counts. That's definitely that noir. <laughs> I guess that that's even in Los Angeles, too, isn't it? Yeah. Wow, Alex. Starring Armanda Sante. What? Oh, I'm thinking of Fatal Instinct. My bad. <laughs> you fail, Alex. <laughs> I, could you do a Sin City? It's kind of, right? That's definitely noir. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like ultra heightened. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably Chinatown. Even though I've only seen it a few times, I, I, I really enjoy it. Okay, one of yeah. the great original twists. Yes. What a twist. I still haven't seen it. Don't spoil it. Okay. They go to China. Oh, what? <laughs> Did the three storms come out in Chinatown? Is that the twist? Only two of them. Oh, two storms. That's the twist. <laughs> Funny. I know, there's one of the, it's like a sci-fi one, I'm trying to remember. Like, would uh, Blade Runner oh, count? Blade Runner. That definitely counts. Yeah. And that's L.A. Right. I thought you didn't like that movie, though, Joe. I don't. I, that's not what I was... I was thinking of a sci-fi one, and that wasn't it, okay. but that popped into my mind. Oh, I, th- I think... I know what you're talking about. Not, not Johnny Mnemonic, right? <laughs> no, not Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, oh, come on. Future Days or something like that? Oh, is that the one with uh, Tom Sizemore? And, uh... They got Heidi. the memory thing? <laughs> Heidi flies no, Jeff. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> no, I. You know what? This is a movie that I've seen twice, three different times. Netflix that says, "Hey, you should watch this movie." And I go, "Oh, I should watch this movie." And then all three times I've started it, and I'm like, "Hey, wait a minute! I think I've seen this before, but I don't remember it." And the sixth day. Who's, oh. who's in it? Let's see if the audience at home can guess. Just Kung, by Kung Fury. It may not even be. Um, <laughs> it may not even be noir. I know. I think it's Keith Kiefer Sutherland in it. Flatliners. No. 24. I don't even think it's noir. Forget it. Oh. I want to say Dark Days or Dark something. Yeah, hey, Dark City? Maybe Dark City. <laughs> well, it, you know what? It Maybe the beginning it is. Eh. The, 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 Dark City is definitely like, sci-fi noir. That's, yeah, that's the cool thing about noir. There's kind of all these little sub-genres that you can... But it, well, I mean sub, but it definitely mixes well with other genres. It, but you should watch it, Dark City. It's awesome. It, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it is Dark City. There's clocks involved, right? No? Yes. yes. Stop the clock. So this is a movie that three times it's recommended. Three times I'm like, yeah, this is a pretty good movie. And every single time I forget everything about it. So <laughs> it must not be that good. But no, when it's... I watch it, I like it. I don't know. I just It's forgettable, I guess. I say. It's really good. I, love, I like that movie a lot. Does he like, go to like one of those Japanese food a mat and someone has like his wallet or some clothes in there or something yeah that's the one it's not Japanese it's a regular just a cafeteria thing with the food mat and he's like did I leave my wallet here and the jerk chef just puts it behind a thing so he has to put coins to open the slot to get his wallet but how does he open it with his nap his money which is in his wallet psychic powers ironic irony alright noir yep. Wait, what was this? Yeah. Key- now, now I want to know what this Keeper Sutherland movie. Dark City. Dark City. Oh, Dark City. Okay. Yeah. He was in that. Yeah. He talked all funny and stuff. He put the needle in his forehead. Yeah. Yeah. See, very, very forgettable. <laughs> well, not for me. I love that movie. And the other thing I can think of, which was that video game that came out. Which was like called oh. L.A. Noir, I think, right? <laughs> L.A. Company. Literally called L.A. Noir. <laughs> I was super excited for that one, and I didn't buy it till like a year after it came out, and it's, I think it's actually still sitting in the plastic somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah so my it's it's alright. Yeah, was that it was, it wasn't a game. It was a just hit the button and it'll take you to the next part of the story. Mm-hmm. I there saw was no actual challenge. Yeah, I saw a full, like, slow playthrough, full playthrough of the game, and the whole story just. I hated the way they wrapped everything up, pretty much. Because, spoiler alert, if you guys haven't played it, Scott, 
La 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 la. You go around solving all these crimes and everything, but then it turns out it was only one guy that did it. But everybody else that you put in jail, they're like, well, what's going to happen to these guys? Oh, we'll, you know, slowly release them quietly without anybody knowing. It's like, what? That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Well, this, but they could do things like that back in the 50s or whenever. It probably took place more around Chinatown, right? Yeah. But no, that was the whole point of, like, a lot of these movies is that there's the this goose block. L.A. Police Department. You right? Whoever that was? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, the, the LAPD actually had this uh, kind of tacitly approved... The Brute Squad? Yeah. Where they would take these, these, these the guys were coming from out of... You know, these, <laughs> these gangsters would try to get uh, toeholds in the Los Angeles area. And they'd just go and secretly kidnap these guys and beat the shit out of them. Basically say, you know, go home. If you ever come back, we're going to kill you. And Mulholland Falls, they actually do kill him right, right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, so, varying degrees, but... Well, it just irked me in that game, because you have to gather all this evidence, and it clearly points to the guy that you captured, and you're put in jail. But then, nope, actually, it was all this guy. Dude, really? So I thought that, you were going really to say you thought it was stupid, because it turned out that everybody they arrested was like actually guilty, but just of something else. Oh, that too. More beer. Continue. L.A. Confidential. This movie sounds good. I should watch it. You should watch it. <laughs> I actually tried it on Netflix earlier today, but it's not there. So, and, so you get the three leads, and they kind of mix and match throughout the movie. Where they, they eventually all realize that they're kind of on the same same page in the face of this corruption and and, and the nefarious things going on. Uh, it leads to a big-ass shootout scene, which is actually kind of, mm, while, while exciting, kind of takes you out of the whole noir thing. Still cool. Uh, the, the main character is forced to make a pretty tough choice at the end. thought that was kind of cool. Was it tougher than Sophie's Choice? Probably not as tough as Sophie's Choice. Okay. But uh, still, still pretty hard. Like going against, you know, what what's right and what you should do aren't always the same thing. So, yeah, he kind of gets put in one of those situations. Mm. So I always like these movies, like. You mentioned a little bit of this before. It was like <laughs> the the cops enforced the rules, but they themselves had very little rule to follow. Like I remember when it, I, well, I was watching American Me, and they they shot like one of the older brothers, I guess when he was young, and all he was doing was I don't know. He was running away from the cops. He was completely unarmed, and they completely gunned him down in the 50s, and there was nothing he could do about it. And when did the Miranda rights come around? It's a good question. I don't know. Because I'm pretty sure they didn't have him in the 50s. Miranda <laughs> no. doesn't need any rights. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, one, one of the sub-themes in the movie is, uh, is about uh, some of the racial tensions in Los Angeles, which, you know, still, still there to this day. But Seriously. Uh, yeah, you see the police force has, like, it's all white cops. Um, of course. And they, through the police corruption, they need to pin this crime on somebody. And there was this group of young black men that, like, they robbed a store or something like that. Or no, they ended up actually kidnapping this girl. So they pin this whole other murder on them. And, you know, nobody says anything about it, mostly because they're black. Uh, mm-hmm. I do remember uh, the little bit I saw of this movie. It was, it was pretty hard to watch where... Russell, I think it was Russell Crowe, or maybe Guy, but he gunned down one of the dudes, and he was just sitting in a recliner, and then he put a different gun in his hand, and he fired it with the other guy's finger, like, towards the door jam, so that he could say that, oh, he shot me first, so I have to shoot him back. Uh, I, I vaguely remember something like that happening. That really jumped out of my head. I was like, dude, this is fucked up. 
Oh, it's in the 50s. Well, that's okay. Then. I mean, it was kind of brutal, too. And they, so the one guy runs away, and Guy Pierce is chasing him. The guy goes into an elevator. And at the last second, Guy Pierce manages to get a shotgun into, into the door um, as it starts going up, and he just blasts. Yeah. Just, just again. He was uh, unarmed. Why'd you shoot him? Well, he was running yeah. away. Well, case closed. He's the murderer. <laughs> this movie captured the night. setting really well. It, you know, it feels like the golden age of Hollywood mm-hmm. and you know Los Angeles. It, it, you know, both very different things and places Ooh. now. Rocketeer, does that count as noir? No. Oh, come on. Golden age of Hollywood. <laughs> Timothy Dalton. <laughs> Nazis. Yeah. The guy from Dead Alive. Rockets. Yeah. The guy from Dead Alive. Yeah, that's. Uh, I made a joke about that. I mean, not a joke. I thought the guy from Dead Alive was the guy from The Rocketeer, and uh, Matt and Trish <laughs> and Eric would never let me live that one down. <laughs> Funny. Hey, what about that episode of Married to Children where Al Bundy is uh, in like a house? Oh, he's a detective. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure that counts. She really Maybe did Chicago put the bump at the bump, she bump. Yes. <laughs> Who touched my breast? <laughs> oh, that was me. <laughs> Quite impressive. Yeah, yeah. Does that count? A lot of the Chicago. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's my favorite noir movie episode. <laughs> it's, it's a little noir ish. Uh, in season one, when they have to go find the Barbie dolls. Yeah, with that song. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're walking, they're walking the streets. If she's just strapped to the back of a motorcycle, come on. <laughs> I was dying. The feet in the streets. That was, just, that was a crazy scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy threatens her with a cigarette. Yeah. But... <laughs> okay, okay, and he hands over more pills. Nice. Wait, Alex, isn't there like, there's got to be a Simpsons noir episode. Uh, maybe Rex, the Rex Banner episode might might count, right? Who's, who's Rex Banner? He was the one that was after the Beer Baron, and that was Homer. When beer, what what beer season got, was this? Uh, it must have been, like, maybe, I want to say 9 or 10, or 11. One of those, 10 or 11, I think. You don't remember the Beer Baron episode, Jeff? <laughs> no. Homer, Homer was brewing his own hooch because oh, alcohol got, got banned in Springfield. <laughs> Because they finally read the town charter. <laughs> I'll get you, I'll get you, Beer Baron, or my name is Rex Bannon. <laughs> no, you <Adam>. won't. <laughs> yes, I will. Won't. <laughs> Kaboom! <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> the, the bathtub distilleries that he had in the basement were all blowing up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> what, what does he say when he's on fire in the front lawn? <laughs> He's like, Marge, I've made a decision. <laughs> I think I'm going to quit being the beer baron or something. Like that. <laughs> you got to watch it, Jeff. Be seated. Yeah, it must be right around the time I stopped watching it. I stopped right around 2000. That was uh, Dave Thomas, I'm going to say, right? Everybody Same as the burger guy? I think I think that was the episode with the beer, the... Yeah, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Yeah. I can agree to that. No. Because I remember that quote. That's that episode. That's at the very end. All right, well, then I don't remember the plot of that story. I do remember the quote, (laughs) but I don't remember that plot of that story. It's been erased from all the beer. Yes. So I guess that must be a thing, uh, uh, a trope of long-running... TV so- shows that if you have your series around long enough, one point one episode is going to be a noir. Is that fair to say? Like sure. any long running, mm-hmm. like I'm sure Friends had a noir uh, episode. Like, what about Seinfeld? Does like the book Seinfeld. detective count? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bookman. There you go. He was also in The Rock. Yeah, the, uh, the episode of the Simpsons where it's all the mini stories. And, uh, the Pulp Fiction section. <laughs> I got donuts. <laughs> hey, I know you. <laughs> it's 
spider caught himself a couple flies. <laughs> God, that was harsh. <laughs> I mean, I've seen Pulp Fiction before I saw that episode. Even as I saw that episode, I'm like, man, that's harsh. So, Alex, you speaking of Pulp Fiction, stay on top. Alex, you, you mentioned Pulp Fiction. I was flipping around Netflix. The, the description for Pulp Fiction could not have been more wrong. <laughs> yeah. It, it was basically... He's he's a hitman. His his partner is a preacher, and his girlfriend's a drug addict. <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose after it was translated into Italian, <laughs> that's, that's what people took away from it. But, uh, it's like a potato. It's like a potato. It's like a potato. Hey, somebody picked that movie. Alex Nation picked that movie. You might. I was going to say that Simpsons episode. One of the stupidest lines that always cracks me up is when Lisa gets gum in her hair and Marge, and she goes to Marge, and Marge, I'm going to gum in my hair. Are you sure it's gum? You sure it's not soap? Because that washes right out. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, Marge. This is the stupidest line ever, and it kills me every time. No, it's somebody's gross, disgusting gum. <laughs> Are you sure it's not soap? Because that washes right out. And then flatters. I usually freeze it with an ice cube and then smash it with a hammer. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, I like confidential. Okay, uh, just a couple more things. Is there gum in the Great. hair in this movie? No. Oh. Great score. That's something about uh, <laughs> uh, Was Goldsmith, I think, did it? But yeah, it was. If it's not Bill Conti, I don't care. I know Alex. <laughs> what about John Williams? Oh, John Williams is good. So Sylvester. So you're a liar. Yeah. <laughs> Proven right here. You can take that to court. <laughs> I am a liar. You can you can take that to the bank. The blood bank. Uh, yeah, great great score, uh, great cast. As, as we've been talking about it, uh, Devito has a nice turn here, as the penguin, the the lead and only reporter for a tabloid uh, newspaper, and it's kind of what the the title of the movie is about. He writes for the Confidential, is the name of his. There's rag. Yeah. yeah. So and he, he's trying I... to kind of a bit Kevin Spacey's character. Ooh, sexy. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember this. Was this like stylized? Like in the background, it was kind of made to look like it was a film the, set. The 50s? Or something. Yes. No, like no. no. For some reason, I'm not trying to think of this movie. It doesn't feel like it was real LA. It was. It wasn't stylized to be like. No, it, it, they did a really good job of. I think uh, the trivia when I was going over that said that uh, they only really built one set for it. Like everything else is pretty much filmed on location. Wow. I mean, I'm sure they they fixed up the insides of buildings and stuff like that, but pretty much all the exterior shots and everything get were... Get that VHS out of here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it... okay. Maybe I'm thinking of another movie. Does this have that... Oh, what the hell? That trolley thing that used to be in L.A. that would, like, take you... There's this... Oh, my God. What the hell is the thing called? You know what I'm talking well, about? You had, the, the, you had to use a nickel for the trolley, and then back in those days, nickels had pictures of bumblebees on them. Give him five bees for a quarter, you'd say. No, they, it was they like talk, a little... They talked about that Who Framed Roger Rabbit, too. Uh, no, yeah, not why would you take the freeway? You could just take the trolley for five cents. Okay, not the trolley. If they takes you up, there's a special hill. There was a hill there. I forgot the name of it. Angel's Flight. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, this used to be this thing that would take you up to the top of Bunker Hill. It's in a lot of old L.A. movies. Then it's been closed down, but I heard they're trying to reopen it. It's kind of like a history thing. But I know this is in some of those L.A. noir movies. This might be even... I think it's in Chinatown. So Chinatown takes place right around the turn of the century. It's supposed to. And hey, it's about a drought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's about the it's whole... Good, uh... it's, good to see, it's good to see 100 years later. <laughs> We've got all that solved. You can't trust people with public transportation. 
Not in the U.S. Especially in Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah, and LA, it goes up and down this small hill, and it's still not working. <laughs> no public transportation in Los Angeles. No, it's cool. I'm sure it'll be fixed in another five years. Well, I'm telling you, if you go on public transportation, you're just going to get in a bus that can't go low, slower than 50 in LA. So, <laughs> this is true. yeah, another great noir movie. No, it wasn't. What? <laughs> Wait, is that the only movie that has LA public transportation in it? As like a main feature. Well, just in it, period. Like, do, 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 do taxi cabs count? Yeah. Sure. Public transportation. Well, the collateral. Yeah. They're on the bus at the end. <laughs> and taxi cabs throughout the entire movie. Well, that's true. <laughs> okay. We do have a metro system out here. Just nobody uses it. Riding on the metro. <laughs> Unless you happen to live right near, or live near and work near a station. There you go. Done. Boom. LA Confidential. Mm hmm. Kim Basinger, Mickey Vale, Russell Crowe, Gladius Maximus. Maximus Aurelius. What was his name? Maximus. I don't remember. His name is Gladiator. Yeah, yeah, Alex is right. Maximus, father to a widowed husband, wife, whatever it was. And I would have my vengeance. Maximus Aurelius Shiplonsky. <laughs> what was his name? It was Marcus Aurelius. Ooh, Mar Maximus. Uh, it was. Alright, whatever the matter. Let's go. Move along. Move along. I'm gonna put in the sound effect for that. Anyways, uh, that's uh, the best. That's enough for LA Confidential. Confidentially between you and me, that's enough. Talk about movies in LA or the genre. If Nobody not, walks then, in LA. It's true. In LA. <laughs> no, I think we've gone over like movies in LA before, so I don't think we need to beat that one down but just yeah noir was a good topic i just i'm not that big on him so i wasn't able to contribute much but there you go i like fun movies like fatal instinct <laughs> like fatal instinct god damn it <laughs> you, you know what? fatal instinct is no loaded weapon one but that's true <laughs> what about fatal fury remember that like street fighter ripoff that game was awesome yeah, that's in, in its that's own right. The, the SNK. Yeah, Neo they, Geo. They had like they had like three yeah. different games, and eventually all became King of Fighters. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. All their characters just got lumped into that roster. But there was a character named Ryo. <laughs> oh, that's from yeah. yeah, Art of that was from Art of Fighting. <laughs> yeah, so clearly Street Fighter ripped them up. <laughs> Actually, yeah, the guys made Ryo, and then Capcom's answer to that was Dan. Which was a parody of SNK's character. Oh, really? Yeah. That's why they made Dan going. like the cheesy, stupidest, weakest character. <laughs> Alright, one of these days we need to do a Street Fighter uh, episode. That's true. Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> I mean, I no want, one wanna, We should, because I want to talk about the, the latest Street Fighter movie, like the fan film. Uh, okay. Oh, that was, that was pretty cool. I want to talk about how everyone <laughs> mispronounced everyone's names. Yeah. Gooby. <laughs> Guy. All right. It's time for Neom News. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was young. Um, so I, all of you guys cover, I think we know you're going to talk about. Um, but I'll go over some reviews. I finished Daredevil, and I think a couple of you guys have already talked about it. But uh, mm -hmm. really good. I recommend it. And I saw a movie today. I saw Entourage. So I don't know. If you watch the show, you should watch the movie. If you didn't watch the show, if you don't like the show, you're not going to like the movie. If you haven't watched the show, you're not going to like the movie because there's so many inside jokes. It's like um, a two-hour episode, right? Yeah, basically. So there's nothing great about it. It's the same thing. Everything's looking up for Vincent Chase and the boys. Oh, no, everything's looking terrible for Vincent Chase and the boys. Oh, everything turns out super hot and great for them. And there's hot chicks everywhere. It's pretty much you every episode. 
I'm so But it was fun to watch, and there's lots of cameos, which it's a little annoying. There's so many that's so obvious, but it's kind of fun. And mostly it's people who were in the show throughout the years. So you'll see like Bob Saget and Gary Busey and all these guys who who were... (laughs) I love the Busey episode. (laughs) Yeah. so awesome. Well, he was in a few episodes, so he was probably like the biggest... uh, um, like recast uh, cameo appearances during the show, but is James Woods in the movie? Ah, oh, they didn't show James James Woods, or I didn't see him. He had a great but episode. How, how was uh, Haley Joel? He was. I don't know. He he played a dirtball Texan. <laughs> uh, he was all right. I don't know. You don't really watch it, but you watch it for the characters. But I, I wasn't mean, did, much to enjoy. I mean, did, did he have like a fun like little part like Topher Grace in the Oceans movies? Or was it? No, like, he, he's kind of weird. He's actually, no, he's actually the antagonist in this movie. He's kind of like he's in a lot of it. He's kind of the bad guy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was fun seeing the guys again, and they've some of them have changed. Some of them have like turtles lost a lot of weight, but he also looks like he aged a lot. <laughs> so I don't know if like cocaine was the reason he <laughs> lost his weight or something. But I would say the other guys all look the same. And... Yeah, the girls. And it's funny. It's like, I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it. It's not a, actually, it's not a spoiler. Ser- the end of the series, they're, they're almost all getting married. And, like, the start of this episode is like, well, those marriages are all failures. <laughs> Let's party. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Like Austin Powers, too. Yeah. <laughs> they were all robots. Fembots. She's a fembot. Yeah. <laughs> but that was fun to watch. I just said I watched it back in the day. And then I started watching the show Cult and Catch Fire on Netflix, which I believe is an AMC show. Yeah, it's eh. it's about this company that basically starts cloning an IBM PC, and so that had me hooked. Being a computer guy, and I'll say the tech part of it is keeping me in it. The story, it's like we don't have much story, and they're just making random conflict. It doesn't make any sense to keep the show going. It's like everything's going good, but I want to do something stupid. One of the characters just does something that doesn't seem appropriate i don't know so i'm not sure whether i recommend it or not but if you like old 80s tech and it is like 80s references like they're coming out of the movie theater and it's return of the jedi um there's like the cabbage patch kid uh craze and he has to go buy a doll there's little things like that that are kind of cool <laughs> but so i don't know I'll, I'll i'll come back to you guys later that's it for me scott all right so very sad news today. A lot of uh, Chris- sad news. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Lee, the great Christopher Lee, mm-hmm. uh, passed away at the age of 93. Um, Former MI6, right? I don't know. Oh, there wasn't really an MI6 then, but... Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he definitely did some... Uh, <laughs> work during, during World War II. Some the man- work for the government. Wait, he was out of, already out of whatever that thing was before the first James Bond movie was even made because he was considered for the part of James Bond. Oh, yeah. I was reading today. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. how old he um, was. Yeah, the mm-hmm. man had a hell of a life. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's sad that, you know, the man, the guy was still working, um, which makes it even more sad, but... Uh, it's not that... Why is it sad? The guy was 93 at a hell of a life. It's not sad. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. It's I thought it was 98. No, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's not like a tragedy, you know? Yeah. He didn't die of cancer in his 40s. He is just... Uh, it's sad, though, because, you know, it wasn't like he'd been out of the spotlight for a long time. You know, he still had a little bit left in the, in the tank. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently not that much, but... We should yeah, all be just, so lucky. Just an absolutely prolific amount of work, uh, his body of work. Um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't count the amount of movies on uh, IMDb, but it's got to be... If over, I had to guess, over 500 films. I don't know about 500, but definitely over 200. Over five. Uh, you know, he had that that classic voice, that kind of uh, nefarious if you wanted it to be, the, the deep resonance, uh, and just relevant throughout his entire career, really. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was ever an A-lister, and he did a lot of horror movies, a lot of schlock, but you know, up up until. You know, a couple years ago, he was in the last Hobbit movie, still playing Saruman. Yeah. Yeah, one, one of the greats. It would be tough for someone to put together his body of work ever again. So how many movies was Christopher Lee in? <laughs> 6,000 <laughs> movies. 
281 accredited acting roles. Yes. Just, uh... Including two. One has just finished. So it's not even out yet. Or it's just completed. I don't know. It's just 2014. Angels in Notting Hill. He plays the boss slash Mr. President. And then one that's in pre-production, which I guess we can take. So 280 is uh, what he did. And this Jeez. goes back. Like the latest big one, obviously, was the Hobbit movies. Um, and then if you go all the way back to yeah, his Hammer films, right? With as Dracula. Sledgehammer. But he was already doing stuff in 48. Jesus so, H. Yeah. Was he ever a good guy? Yeah. Uh, Hobbit, the first movie. Saruman's a good guy at that point. Yeah, that's true. But wasn't he the judge in um, the... Judge uh, Dredd? Ichabod Crane movie with Johnny Depp. It was Johnny Depp, yeah. I think he was. Anyway. He wasn't a bad, bad guy in the Willy Wonka movie, the Tim Burton one. <laughs> he was his dad. Yeah. No so, yeah, just, teeth. yeah, just a super old school guy and actor where, you know, act, acting was his job. You know, he was, he was going to be turned down roles. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the old old Hollywood philosophy that I think um, Michael Caine still follows, right? Never turned on a role. Michael Caine (laughs) always says, like, like, if they're filming in the Bahamas... She was only 16 years old. Yeah, Michael Caine. I knew you were going to bring up Jaws 3 or 4 or whatever one that was. Yeah. Just (laughs) go where it's sunny in the middle of winter, you know. But, uh, yeah. Ruby or something. Yeah, like, I'll just say the one thing about him is if you, like, watch the old Lord of the Rings documentaries and how, like, he was, like, the the preacher or the guide on the show because he's read it, like, every year since... Oh, yeah, he was a I mean, massive was, fan of yep. the... Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. so if he was 48, he was probably around, well, I don't know when the book was published, but he probably wasn't around much longer after that, and he actually had, like, Tolkien's blessing to play Gandalf if there ever was a movie and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, he sucked awesome. up. Displayed Saruman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he knew how to speak uh, Elvish. Yeah, he was he was in a metal band in his late eighties, yeah. early nineties. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, awesome. He's descendant of Charlemagne. Like, so, Is he really? really? Yeah. Holy supposedly. balls! No wonder he was a badass. So what we missed? Well, we'll see when he actors like that ever again. Um, if for no other reason again, the pipes. Just that voice. Yeah. So, Christopher Lee will be missed. That's basically my news. Uh, Alex has a couple more sad notes, I think. So I'll flip it over to him. Well, Dusty Rhodes also passed yeah. away. Virgil Riley Reynolds Jr. Mm-hmm. That's his real name. Yep. The American Dream. He never officially changed it. So like. His son is Goldust, right? And I forgot he's something Rhodes, but that's not really his real name either. No, he actually got both another sons in the. It's like well, he got a lot younger. Yeah, so Doink. It's not Doink. Oh. <laughs> it's not the dwarf clown. Okay. Oh god. Is it the Rock? No. Oh. It's a younger guy. Like it's not even thirty. So I was looking at so this stuff today. Wow. We talked about wrestling in the past. You guys remember Dusty Rhodes too much? I don't remember that much about him. He was kind of the generation, like right as we were starting, and he was kind of fading out. Yeah, for me anyway. Yeah, but... like he, he's he's definitely famous enough that I knew of him though. Like that's yeah. how popular he was. That even though he wasn't really in that like current generation, still knew who right. he was. Yeah. Yep. And, Anything uh, else, Alex? Yeah, Goonie's mom died too. Goonie's mom? Not, you have a name? Mama, not Mama Fratelli. <laughs> yeah, she died a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, they threw her off a train, so. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah, Michael and Brand's mom from Goonie's, aka, like, the psychiatrist or psychologist from Lethal Weapon. 
She's in a lot. The news report. I think she's a news reporter in, in Die, Die Hard. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And yeah, I guess Mary, we talked. Go for it. Mary Mary Ellen Trainer. That's her. Okay. Yeah. And I guess she was married to Robert Zemeckis for like we said twenty years or something like that. We looked it up offline. So. Mm-hmm. She's definitely if you watch movies in the eighties and nineties, you'd recognize her face. Yeah, she was one of those gals. Yeah. One I'd of put those, her up there. Those gals. And and this may not be accurate at all, but like the mom in E. T. as well. Like, I don't know who she was, but she was always like a mom or a character in a show. You just you didn't never knew who, she wasn't famous, you know, she wasn't Meg Ryan or anything like that, but you just knew who she was. Seemed like to me anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She had that every woman character characteristic. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just because I was a kid and they were just, you know, old blonde ladies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other news? Uh, nope. That's it. People died. All right. <laughs> going on a high note. All right. Uh, that's it for this episode. But what are we going to be talking about next week, Alex? A movie I greatly appreciate and that I'm very glad... I'm uh, a father in the 21st century because kids' movies don't suck for adults nowadays. And there isn't a kids' uh, a movie geared for kids that's actually made for adults more than Wreck-It Ralph, in my opinion. Dorky adults. Well. <laughs> All right. Wreck-It Ralph. Thanks for listening, everybody. Wreck. I can fix it. Also, 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 that was like some terrible special effects. <laughs> Tyrion, say my name. <laughs> I have to keep my feet on the ground. That was, uh... <laughs> that was for you, Daniel Brown. <laughs>